Thanks for listening to Worship Local. Guys, this is our non-podcast where we invite you into the long-winded, ever-deepening, and sometimes winding conversation of Frontier Church where we always exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Des Moines. And church, it is, uh, it's, it's just me, Pastor Cole, today. As you probably know, the Selfs had their brand new baby, Abel Self, earlier this week, and he's beautiful, and the Selfs are happy, and so obviously Andrew's going to be taking a break for a few weeks from the podcast, but today what we're going to be doing is I, I'm going to be giving kind of a, an extended monologue, um, primarily about how I think that you can fight for your spiritual health during the coming election season. I am invariably going to talk about things in this podcast that will make you feel like I'm singling you out, but I'm not. Everybody who listens to this podcast is going to feel that way. It's not just you. And also, since I'm talking about spiritual health during the election season, I am invariably going to touch on social media habits. And whether you choose to embrace my pastoral advice or not, whether, whether you're somebody who posts on Facebook all the time or not, I love you and your social habits will never, ever, ever change that. Those things need to be set up front. So whether you live in Des Moines or elsewhere, we hope this podcast helps you worship local. Okay, church, so believe it or not, this coming election season will not be the most politically divisive election season in history. I know that's that's a bold claim, and don't misunderstand me. It'll be bad for sure. It's going to be ugly for sure. It's going to be divisive for sure. But just consider the main message of our faith. When Jesus was inaugurated as king, when he was seated on his throne by being lifted up on a cross, that election season was way, 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 way worse. Now, the way that the gospel accounts present the narrative of Jesus' slow death march to the cross is actually by portraying him as triumphantly claiming his kingly throne. And there is no presidential debate that can compare with the insulting and shaming that Jesus experienced during his passion. No debate can compare with that. Guys, when Jesus was crucified, he was surrounded by 100 accusing, damning, and shaming voices. The scriptures say that those who passed by him wagged their heads at him and mocked him. It says that even the chief priests and elders, the religious people who you would expect to be understanding, those people mocked Jesus by saying to him, well, he saved others, let him save himself. Guys, even the robbers who were hanging next to Christ reviled him, is what the scriptures said. So when Christ was crucified, it it was a brutal season to become king. Even Pontius Pilate questions Jesus at length and he tempts him to defend himself and he gives him opportunities to defend himself. But here's the kicker. And this is the main point of the podcast. In the middle of this brutal election season, while Christ was carrying his cross and about to be seated on his throne, 
what was Jesus doing in the middle of all of it? What was Jesus' response to all of the shaming, all of the mocking, and all of the divisiveness? He was quiet. <laughs> quiet. Here's the way that Isaiah prophecies about Jesus' crucifixion years earlier. Isaiah said, Like a sheep being led to the slaughter, or a lamb that is silent before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. So, <laughs> Frontier, the election season is coming up. And I, I'm not suggesting that the election season we're walking into is a one-to-one -one equivalent with the passion of Christ and him carrying his cross. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that the cross of Christ has something to say about how we live our lives in the midst of this election season. And I am saying that there's a problem if you take your cues for how to act in this season from your favorite media outlets and you don't take your cues from the Christ that you follow. So here's, here's the situation that we're in as a local church. We're in the middle of a highly opinion-charged pandemic. We're in the middle of an ever-heightening nationwide racial tension. And we're in the middle of what's possibly one of the more politically divisive presidential elections that is right in front of us in a few months. I know that you guys know this, but for my own sanity, I, I just, I have to say it out loud. Here's the way that one pastor that I'm friends with stated the problem on his Facebook page. This was a comment that he wrote. I'm just going to read it and share it with you guys. This pastor said it this way. He said, these past six months or so have pushed me to a toxic mental space that I've never been in. Some of it, undoubtedly, is due to the situation that we're in. Some of it just can't be avoided. However, much of it is due to the continuous onslaught of videos, critical feedback, and the, way, the wave of negativity that I've had to weather over doing my best to keep people from safe dying in mass at our church. I acknowledge that I do not know everything. And listen to what this pastor goes on to say. He says, However, I'm doing my best to use the wisdom that the Lord has given me to read, study, research, and listen to voices that are more informed than I. And for all my effort to protect the people I care about, I have been shredded by those same people regularly and steadily for months. Nothing has changed about my commitment to them but my own physical and mental well-being has suffered dramatically for their sake. End quote. Now, now, I don't feel that way at Frontier Church. I actually feel loved by you guys. I feel understood by you guys. I don't feel threatened. And even those of you who disagree with the decisions that Frontier has made over these past six months, I can feel, like literally I can feel the patience that you guys are extending to me and the rest of the leadership of Frontier. And your patience feels like Christ-likeness to me. And I think it's because we're a gospel-centered church. These past four years that we've existed as a church, we've labored, to, we've labored to establish the gospel of Jesus as like the one singular foundation that our church is built upon. It's the center of our church. It's the place that we come back to time and time again. 
So we can exist in disagreement with others about certain things, and we can do this without throwing our hands up in the air and saying, fine, I'm, just, I'm done with this church. Nobody knows me. Nobody understands me. That's why I think we're healthy, because we're centered on the gospel. We're a pretty healthy church. But I still want to pastor us and shepherd us with this season ahead of us. And I've got a lot of people who are asking me, dude, are you nervous as a pastor with the election season ahead of us? No, I'm honestly not. But I do want to pastor us because the scriptures uniquely have a beautiful perspective of the power of quietness in the midst of chaos. And I think it's because Jesus's quietness on the road to the cross is beautiful and compelling. And I, I, I don't think that Jesus would be the same person if while he was carrying his cross, he lashed back at other people who were accusing him and accused them and reviled them and pointed fingers back at them. I think that would be a different Jesus, a different Christ. But that's how most Christians are probably going to act in this coming political season this coming election season. They are going to point fingers. They are going to accuse. They are going to revile those who revile them, but not Jesus. Jesus is quiet. He knows when to speak, and he knows when to conceal forces in quiet. And that's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to, quote, Aspire to live a quiet life. Paul says, aspire for that. Make that your goal. Like you should make it your ambition to live a quiet life. And that is what I think the key is. If you actually want to prioritize your spiritual health over these next six months. So don't, don't misunderstand Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4. Of course there's a time to speak up, guys. Of course there's a time to be vocal. Of course there's a time to be a voice for others and a voice against others, for sure. Right? I'm, I'm a preacher. I speak out loud for 40 minutes every Sunday. I get this. But by and large, what I think Paul is saying when he says that we should aspire to live a quiet life is that our lives should be generally characterized by the aspiration to live quietly about most of the things that make other people really, really, really loud. And that's hard. Why is it hard? Okay. Well, a couple reasons. Partly, it's hard because we live in a kingdom of noise. The postmodern world is... It's, it's a kingdom of noise, right? And the more noise there is, the higher likelihood there is that you're going to hear bad thinking, bad logic, and misinformation just because you're hearing more people speak out loud. So most of your friends, God loves them, they're great, but most of your friends aren't actually interested on social media in telling the robust truth about certain world events and certain political events. Because to tell the truth about things requires a lot of nuance and it really doesn't it it doesn't clickbait very well right telling the truth doesn't clickbait very well and so there's actually a motive whether or not your friends understand this whether or not politicians understand this there's actually a motive there's a reward to sharing partial truths 
partial truths get more comments because they get more people who have fiery debates about these things on social media. And so what ends up happening is that the algorithm prioritizes partial truths. And here's the irony. When your friend posts something stupid on social media and you argue with them in the comment thread on their post, you're actually promoting their post and helping their cause no matter how no matter how good your argument is or how great your retort is because when you argue with people on their Facebook timelines, you unwittingly what you do is you pay for their billboard to exist. So part of the art of being a person of grace during this election season Part of the art of fighting for your spiritual health during the election season is simply coming to terms with the fact that you're going to be surrounded by bad information. Accepting that. And and accepting that is going to take a ton of maturity, but I think it'll help your spiritual health in the long run. It's going to be hard, but but I think it's I think it's worth it. And also, another reason why it's hard to live a quiet life during this type of season is because, well, just think about how misunderstood Jesus was when he embraced quietness on the way to the cross. He was deeply misunderstood. His quietness was deeply misunderstood. He was accused of not being the Savior. People said to him, well, if you're really the Savior, then save yourself. He was accused of not being the son of God on his way to the cross. People said, if you're really the son of God, then come down from that cross. Jesus was deeply misunderstood. And so if you and I decide to take Paul's command to aspire to live a quiet life seriously, what makes us think that this won't happen to us? We will be misunderstood in our commitment to quietness. You're going to hear a thousand voices from a thousand different directions. If you're really a Christian then you would post about every contemporary issue. If you're really a Christian, then you would promote this agenda that I happen to really want to promote too. You're going to hear a lot of things. Silence is violence. You're going to hear these things. So if you decide to prioritize your spiritual health during this political season, you will be misunderstood. But as your pastor, here's a great truth for you. You're going to be misunderstood by the world, but you won't be misunderstood by God. He knows you, He knows your heart, and He loves you. So far, what I've done is I've given us a portrait of the crucified Christ in the midst of a very turbulent season, and we've also kind of identified a couple things that make it hard to be committed to a quiet life during a political season, let alone during any season. So let's I want to transition into giving us six points of application that I think will help us as a church stay spiritually healthy during the election season. Six points of application. First, we need to repent of our hyper-connectedness. Hyper-connectedness, which is different than a healthy measure of being informed. Hyper-connectedness is different than that. Hyper-connectedness happens when we're vain. 
when we need to appear in on every trend, right? I want to appear important. I want to appear significant. I want to be the expert on every current event. And so that leads to incredible hours being sunken into article skimmings. It, it leads to a, an almost religious devotion that we, have to, that we have to do with our internal debates that we have with those who disagree with us. These are all desperate attempts to prove to yourself that by God, you are important and you matter. And when we're hyper-connected, and we're always nursing internal arguments. And when we're in on every trend, some people will notice that. And we'll feel really, really important. And we'll feel really, really vain when they say, hey, man, you're super smart about that thing. And then that's going to accelerate our need to read every political article that comes out. And hyper-connectedness is not something that we should embrace or reward. It's, it's something that we need to repent of. Guys, you're important because you're made in the image of God and Christ was crucified in your place. You don't need to be hyper-connected in order to catch God's eye. You don't need to be hyper-informed to be valued by God. You simply exist in the gaze of his love because of the sacrifice of his son. So if you find yourself driven by vanity, driven by the need to seem important, it's okay, but just repent and start over. Second, during this next six months, be intentional about your emotional and intellectual diet. Be intentional about what goes in to your brain and what goes into your heart. And you might need to take some, you might need to do some radical things in order to, to watch your emotional and intellectual diet. You might even need to unfollow people in our church on social media. <laughs> I, I know you're probably going to hate hearing this, but I've done this, okay? I've unfollowed people in our church on Facebook. And it's not because I don't love them. It's exactly because I do love them. Some people are wonderful in person. They're, they're amiable. They're good listeners. They're fun to be around. They're easy to be around. You love them. But when they log into social media, it kind of feels like they get behind the wheel of a car in road rage, man. Like they become a different person. And so it becomes harder to love the person who they really are in person because you constantly see the person they become when they're on social media and they aren't the same person. And so by unfollowing some people, um, you're able to continue to see them as God sees them, as they are. And your, your vision of them doesn't get clouded by the fog of what they do and what they say when they're road raging behind the wheel. It's just easier to love people. So be conscious. Be as conscious about the diet you put into your brain as you are about the diet that you put into your body. Third, in these coming six months, remember the principle of sola scriptura. Okay, for those theology nerds out there, you know this and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what sola scriptura means. But for those of us who aren't theological nerds, that's a Latin phrase for only scripture. And, it, and it's one of the founding principles of Reformed theology. It means that only scripture is the final authority for what's true in the world and what's false in the world. So think of it this way. The final authority for truth is not your pastor's opinions. It's not your feelings. It's not your fleeting thoughts. It's scripture. 
So think about what that means during this political season. That means that whatever you learn from the news is not authoritative over what you learn from the scriptures. Here's how this works. If your news sources tell you that all Trump supporters are racist, backwards bigots, that's not authoritative over when the scriptures tell you that all Trump supporters are precious image bearers of God. When the news sources tell you that all Biden supporters are bloodthirsty baby murderers, that doesn't carry more authority than the scriptures, which tell you that all Biden supporters are precious image bearers beloved by your creator. You don't need to agree with Trump supporters. You don't need to agree with Biden supporters. But what the scriptures say about them is authoritative over whatever your social media outlet tells you about them. So the news, what the news is going to do over these next few months is it's going to help you stay well-informed during the election season. And there's definitely some use to that. That's important. But you need to understand that the news is not committed to helping you remain spiritually healthy. They're, they're not. There's not a financial incentive to that. Spiritually healthy people... They're, they're hard to take advantage of. They're hard to get money from. They're hard to get support from. So there's no financial support in looking out for people's spiritual health. And so the news is, it's just not, I don't care what news outlet it is. They're not, they're not committed to helping you behold other people the way that God beholds other people. And as Christians, we need to do that. We need to behold other people the way that God beholds other people. That's an essential component to sanctification. Sanctification is, in large part, learning to see things from God's vantage points. The same way that books are written from a particular point of view of a character, and as you read that book, you see everything that unfolds in the novel from that character's point of view as a Christian It's our aim to see everything that unfolds in our life from God's point of view. Like he's the author, because he is. So especially people, especially enemies, especially the opposite political party, we need to see those people from God's point of view. That's especially important right now. So we're thinking about six different points of application to help us prioritize our spiritual health during the political season. Number four, we need to acknowledge the truth that our church will not serve our cause, right? It's, it's totally natural for you to want your local church to be a blank church. If you're a Democrat, it's natural for you to want your church to be a Democratic church. If you're a Republican, it's natural for you to want your church to be a Republican church. It's natural for you to want your church to be the pro-vaccine church or the anti-vaccine church if those things are your passion. This is totally natural. But the church is supposed to be made in the image of Christ. And whenever you want to make the church into a blank church, you're trying to make the church into your image. (laughs) And that's bad, obviously. So if the church is not going to be made into our image, and if it's not going to serve our causes, then you just 
you just need to expect yourself to disagree with your pastors over the next six months about extra biblical stuff. Expect that you're going to disagree with how they handle the next quarantine if it happens. Expect that you're going to disagree with how they handle masks. And just learn to say this to yourself over the next six months. It's okay that the pastors don't agree with me. It's okay that one of my pastors doesn't agree with me. It's okay that not all of my pastors agree with me. It's bound to happen that if your pastors are really keeping the gospel, the main agenda of the church, it's going to be a different agenda than our personal agendas. This is natural. So say it again. It's okay that one of my pastors doesn't agree with me. It's just a great mantra for these next six months. Number five. This one's a little bit outside of the ordinary, but I think it's really important. Number five, spend time outside during these next few months. Guys, when I wrote this podcast, I was, I was outside early this morning and I was sitting at a, bench, at a park bench at the edge of a cemetery that's close to my house. And the park bench was at the edge of this beautiful wildflower grove. And I know that most of you guys don't have the luxury to office from creative spaces in the city, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm suggesting is that we should all be diligent in these next few months as everybody tries to get their hooks underneath our skin so that they can get our vote. We should be diligent about positioning ourselves in places where we allow God to speak to us through creation, right? Creation speaks to us differently than the media speaks to us. The birds sing a different song than the politicians, The crickets chirp to a different tune than your aunt or your uncle on social media. And isn't it amazing that while everybody in the world is protesting and rioting and arguing on Facebook and debating every inch of everybody's argument and assuming the worst about everybody, isn't it amazing that as while we generate our little kingdom of noise... The birds just go on singing about the glory of God right outside of our windows. Isn't that awesome? So go outside during these next few months. I mean, for God's sake, there might be a breeze outside today. And how might the fact that you have direct access to a summer breeze be more valuable than whatever any politician can promise to do for you or take away from you? They can't take away the breeze, guys. Only God gives and only God takes that. So take the birds and what the birds have to say as seriously or more seriously than what CNN says. Take the crickets and what the crickets have to chirp as seriously or more seriously than what Fox News says over these next few months. When I wrote this outside, And I just sat there in the middle of this gorgeous chorus of birds and crickets and grasshoppers and insects. I just felt this new wave of health emerge in my soul. And I think it was perspective. I I, I think creation has an amazing perspective on the world because it's been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So, of course, creation continues to sing its song in the middle of this election because creation has perspective. But those of us who have only been around for 25 or 65 years, 
we, we don't have perspective. And so everything feels to us like the end of the world. But when Jesus says, consider the lilies, I, <laughs> I actually interpret that to mean consider the lilies. I know that's an edgy interpretation, right? <laughs> but when Jesus commands us to look at the birds in the air, I interpret that to mean go look at the birds in the air. And if you don't obey those commandments, that means that you're being disobedient. And if you don't consider the lilies, and if you don't look at the birds of the air, and if you don't listen to creation over these next few months, it will be to the detriment of your soul over these next six months. And here's my sixth point. Here's the sixth point of application. For the next six months, we should all commit to staying and being the best church members that we can be. I got this application from a really good article online, and the author made this point, which I think is really true. The author said, it's totally common for church members to smile to themselves when their pastor does something they like, but to actually never reach out with a compliment or say it out loud. And then to be quick to speak out when the pastor does something that they don't like. And that means that the only time that we hear from some of you is when you're unhappy. And that's a little exhausting. And it isn't an honest representation of who you are or your relationship with the church or your pastor. So share the good things and share them often. End quote. So I'm a little nervous about sharing that quote because it sounds a little bit like I'm seeking my own self-interest as a pastor, but I'm actually not just including this for self-interest or baiting you to encourage me. I think this is true for church members too. A lot of you guys, when, when we get coffee together and when you guys spend time with me, you have amazing things to say about other church members at Frontier. You guys are constantly telling me, man, it was awesome when she said this or it's awesome when she did that, or she's doing an awesome job leading this. And you guys constantly say things like, man, I think that dude is really growing in the Lord, right? You're talking about some other church member and you say, I think he's really grown in his joy in the Lord a lot. And most times, whenever you guys say something encouraging about another member around me, 95% of the time I ask you guys, well, did you tell her that? Did you tell him that? And almost always, the answer is no. (laughs) So you guys are constantly telling me these cool things about other church members, but you're not saying them to the other church members. So don't misunderstand me. Don't make up nice things to say to other people at our church. Don't fabricate things. That's flattery. And flattery is bad because it's usually manipulative and... When you flatter people and say untrue positive things about them, you lose credibility. And then when you actually do have something encouraging to say, it it doesn't hold any weight. So I'm not saying, well, make up nice things to say to other people. What I am saying is don't take one million true encouragements to the grave with you. When you feel something authentically encouraging about another church member, say it to them. Those are gifts from God, and they are for the church. So those are six things that I think are worth, that are worth considering during these next few months. So in these next six months, 
our church is going to need all the encouragement that she can get up. She's going to be beat up. She's going to get wounded. She's going to be manipulated by the media. She's going to be hurt by the news. We're going to be, th- we're going to be thinking a thousand different things. Our church is going to need all the encouragement that she can get. So my question for you, if you're listening to this podcast, is this. Are you willing to contribute to our church's health? Are you willing to fight for your spiritual health in the middle of this election season? Out of, out of all the Psalms, I think that my favorite Psalm is Psalm 131. And I think it's exactly what we need as sort of a benediction to this podcast. And I think it's exactly what we need during this election season. So let me just end this podcast by reading Psalm 131 out loud. And I want you to see yourself in it. The psalmist says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Guys, I love all of you. I love you, Frontier Church. And we can be a healthy church even in the midst of this next political election season. So whether you live in Des Moines or elsewhere, I hope that this podcast helps you develop a quiet soul no matter how loud the world is. And I hope this podcast helps you worship local.